0: Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp.
1: Hello, and welcome into another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. And not just another episode, it's episode number two in our four part series on athletic performance. You're at Penn State. And today we dive into a more specific topic. If you missed our first episode with Reed Davis, please go back through the archives, find that on whatever podcast platform you may be listening. But today we're going to talk about the catapult system and GPS load monitoring. And I have Jared, Adam, and Jess with me here for this podcast. Without further ado, I'll allow them to introduce themselves, give you their background, and then we dive into the topic of load monitoring for our athletes in this athletic performance podcast series so enjoy episode number two it's number two in a four-part series this is let's go state the official podcast of penn state athletics gang thanks so much for taking the time to do this episode of the podcast i've really enjoyed the athletic performance podcast series so far thanks so much for being with us
2: yeah good to be here no problem thanks for having us
1: all right we'll just go around the room from left to right have you introduce yourself give a brief snippet of your background and the team you're working with here at penn state
0: uh, yeah, so I'm uh, Jared Jarvie. I am an athletic performance coach here at Penn State with our baseball and field hockey programs. Uh, I came over here from the University of Michigan where I did my master's degree. I'm originally from Michigan. Um, started out as kind of a field sports guy, you know, playing a lot of football, soccer, basketball, those kind of things growing up and that's kind of been where my interests lie. Uh, as I got into grad school, I realized kind of meshing sports science and strength and conditioning in the field sports realm is kind of where I needed to go and uh, that's kind of where I took my career.
3: Um, Adam Game, uh, also athletic performance coach here at Penn State. work with men's soccer, softball, and men's tennis. Before uh, stepping into this role in athletic performance, I was in the performance science department here at Penn State for about a year and a half. And prior to that, I was a strength and conditioning coach at Miami of Ohio. Um, so I have pretty good background uh, both in performance science and strength and conditioning. Much like Jared, I uh, try to merge the two into my practice uh, as much as I can.
2: I am Jessica Burke, also an athletic performance coach here. Um, Like Jared, I am from the great state of Michigan. Um, And as far as my education and experience, I've spent a lot of time in the Big Ten, very loyal to this conference. So all of my experience and education has come from there. Um, Grew up playing soccer, lacrosse, really been interested in field sports, um, and here I I get the privilege of working with women's lacrosse, men's and women's gymnastics, and men's golf, so a really good, fun mix of athletes.
1: We're going to dive in and talk about Catapult, but a question before that I think any of you can answer and start with this is you all have diverse backgrounds, you all have different interests, and you all work with different sports. So I would imagine when your entire group gets together, it's fun to trade ideas Trade stories and trade some techniques that you've been able to pick up throughout the course of
0: your career. Oh, 100%. I mean, I mean, I think some of the best professional development I've had in my career is just sitting in the office talking with these coaches. Um, you know, the demands of my sports are wildly different than soccer, lacrosse, and, you know, being able to hear from them how they train their teams is the best thing that makes me better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think multiple perspectives is is kind of the best way to go about strength and conditioning. There's a thousand ways um, to do everything, but just watching other coaches coach and taking little tidbits, I would say my coaching style is probably a combination of 10, 15 coaches that I've watched over the years. So,
1: And I think that's what's fun about getting this group together as we talk about load monitoring and using GPS and Catapult, which we use here at Penn State is that you may all get data, but you may interpret that data and utilize that data a little bit differently for each of your sports. So as we dive into Catapult, can you first, Adam, we'll let you take it. What is Catapult and what uses does it have? How do you use it here at Penn State?
3: Yeah, so uh, Catapult is it's pretty simple. Um, it's a, a GPS unit that our athletes wear basically anytime they train. Uh, it's a, a very small unit, uh, smaller than a cell phone. They wear it in what looks like a sports bra, um, and it goes right at the base of their neck and it basically tracks everything that they do for the training session. Uh, it tracks a lot of different things. So we're talking about uh, total distance that they've run speeds that they ran at um, changes of direction, accelerations, decelerations, jumps, dives, uh, pretty much anything you can think about um, that catapult will track what it's doing. Um, and we use that information in a lot of different ways. Uh, load monitoring is kind of a, a blanket term. Um, and from that, You can kind of take it in several different directions. Um, It has a lot of utility uh, in the sports science, athletic training kind of section in terms of uh, bringing athletes back from injury or preventing injury as much as we can um, in terms of not doing too much with an athlete. Um, And then on the other side is kind of the performance realm of making sure we're doing enough with an athlete, kind of monitoring performance gains and speed, outputs during training or during a game, Um, and making sure they're prepared for a season ahead or an off-season ahead, anything like that.
1: Obviously, with your three backgrounds, you're invested in this technology. How important is it before we even get into all the uses of it, making sure the coaches and student-athletes understand what this usefulness of the data is and the relationship you have with that data, and then transferring that information to your coaches and athletes?
0: Yeah, I mean, a friend of mine once said, you you can't manage what you don't know. And that's kind of how I like to bring it up to, you know, an athlete or a coach. And I want them to understand that in the weight room, if I tell them you're going to do three sets of 10 at 100 pounds, that's a very defined volume and intensity. Whereas at practice, like, we won't know unless we have some way to track it. And that's what GPS units and wearables give us the ability to do is we can know what's your volume, what's your intensity on the field okay, great, now I can then go through and program progressions or regressions as necessary, return to play protocols, and it gives us some tangible number on your field work.
1: Jess, what are some of the tangible numbers that you're looking at on a daily basis when you're watching your athletes train?
2: Um, On a daily basis, I would say the most important thing is just overall volume, overall load. So for a field sport like lacrosse, it's really important to – get a a good idea of how much ground we're covering, Um, and I think a lot of the research that has come out lately has really helped us to utilize that information, progress into the demands of a season, which you know, frankly, we don't think about too much, or a spectator may not think about too much, but the demands of a lacrosse game in itself um, is pretty crazy, right? So total distance is something that's huge, and then also high-speed running, um, especially in, in the sport that I work with the most, lacrosse. Um, that high speed running number is really valuable to us because it shows us, hey, this athlete is prepared, um, you know, for all of the sprint demands in a game, um, which, as we know, as strength coaches is something that is an adaptation that is easily gained or lost. So we need to make sure we're up there with those game levels before we step on the field.
1: We probably should dive into each of your sports, too, which may be a little bit different. What are the date, What are the data points that you're looking at specifically?
3: Pretty similar, actually. Uh, I keep it as simple as I possibly can. Um, That helps a lot with conversations with athletes, conversations with coaches. Um, So I also start with total distance and high-speed running. Um, Those are the two main things that we look at every single day, um, no matter what the training session is or if it's training or a game. Um, I also throw in um, some other metrics. There's a a very catapult-specific metric of player load, um, which is just a very, very long formula algorithm um, to kind of give one number – Of what that athlete did um, for that day. Um, and also look at like high intensity actions, which includes things like um high intensity accelerations and decelerations and then total sprint efforts as well to kind of give us a little bit more um information on how much really high intensity work that they did for that session too. I mean,
0: we're gonna be three for three here because the metrics are very similar for me as well. I mean, first and foremost, total distance, high speed running distance. Um, I would also tack on maximal velocity for that session. Um, over the course of a season, we want to be able to maintain our ability to sprint at top speeds. And so understanding like if this is our high intent day, did we get, you know, 90 plus percent of max velocity for the week? Awesome. Good. If we didn't, we have to somehow dose that. And sometimes that might be uh, sprints before or after practice or something to make sure that we get the proper demand. But other than that, it's kind of similar to stuff. So
1: what you're saying here and – me if i'm wrong but i can take it one step further is that your job has become so much more than what's happening just in the weight room and now there is and you work with a great sports science team here at penn state but you're applying science in planning what your athletes are going to do in the weight room but also what they're doing from a strength and conditioning perspective when they're training for their sport or competing for their sport as well so there's a multi-pronged to each of your approaches throughout the entire course of planning a day, which means you have to have that hand-in-hand relationship with your coaches and helping them plan and tailor their workouts too.
0: Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think the other side of what, what GPS tracking has been able to do for us is we know more closely the demands of sport, which gives us the ability to to create off season programs to match what that demand will be. Uh, it, it gives us direction into how we condition, right? Into how we train in the weight room. I mean, I don't know. It used to be where, oh, they traveled six miles during that game, so just go run six miles. But with GPS tracking, we know the high-speed running demand is different, and those six miles are wildly different than six miles on the track. Uh, So it lets us plan appropriately for that for our athletes.
1: How would you plan, let's just take this for an example here, baseball versus soccer, a baseball outfielder who may cover a lot of distance during a game but is only doing it in short spurts versus a soccer athlete who is constantly on the go throughout a game. How would – this information apply to what you're training those athletes for?
0: Yeah. So for, for our baseball team, we don't look so much at our total distance covered. We look more at what, you know, how well can we sprint? Uh, What is our max velocity? How fast can we cover short periods? Yeah. You need to go 90 feet in baseball. Exactly. Whereas I'm sure soccer, the demand is wildly different.
3: Yeah. uh, No doubt. Um, Soccer, you gotta be very balanced. Um, They still have to sprint as well, but um, the, the distance is covered. Um, and soccer are, are pretty incredible. Um, so demand's completely different. So our preparation, how we prepare the athletes, obviously is going to have to be completely different as well. Um, and the GPS just puts an exact objective kind of measure to how different they are. I think it might be fascinating for fans to hear what are, from a
1: soccer game or a lacrosse game, what are some of the numbers that you would get at the end of one of those
3: competitions? Uh, yeah, so without... Giving away too much uh, uh, data <laughs> to you. Uh, average soccer game, kind of, it depends on position. Um, but if you look at kind of our midfielders or our forwards, uh, 12,000 meters is about an average game, which is 12 kilometers. Um, high speed running kind of depends on kind of what bands you use. Uh, but anywhere around 500 meters of high speed running, which for us, that's over 14 miles an hour, which over 14 miles an hour is moving pretty good. Um, so, so that's a pretty Pretty heavy demand for them. Jess, once you
1: get all this data in and you have it over the span of a couple of years, how does this go into then planning what you want to do, whether it's building an off-season program, an in-season program, or making sure a team's at its peak for when they get to the end of the season to compete in an NCAA competition?
2: Yeah, so I'm glad, you know, first off you said a couple of years because the one thing about data is obviously the more data points we have, the more valuable the information is. Um, So, you know, collecting this data over a couple seasons gives us a good, not only a good picture of what competition looks like and, and what a season looks like because, you know, in some cases we're playing two, three times a week, but then also allows us to properly reverse engineer that and also objectively analyze how we've reverse engineered that in the past, right? Um, Are we meeting these game demands by the time that we get there? Did the buildup that we used during last off season, last preseason, did those things work for us, right? So there is still a little bit of trial and error because there is no research out there that shows you how to perfectly build up to a competition. If there was, I think this job would be a little easier (laughs) maybe. Um, But there, there is no data that shows that, right? So it's a little bit of, Hey, we did this and in this incre- increments did this work. Um, and I, I think it provides us with a lot of information
1: because the ultimate goal of this <clears throat> entire thing is look, you want to win and you do that by having healthy athletes. So it's Correct. reducing injuries and making sure an athlete is at his or her peak during the most important times of the year, whether that's a big game or postseason competition. So how does all of this come together to make sure you can accomplish that?
0: I mean, it really comes down to allowing us to plan throughout the course of a season. You know, thinking about our our field hockey season this past fall, um, you know, the metrics we were looking at allowed us to appropriately plan our practice weeks. It it let us know, okay, if today is a day where we have, um, you know, a rested team with two, three days before we have to play a game, all right, this might be a high-intent day for us, and we can select drills appropriately to use that. But then on the other side of things, it lets us put limits on how much we want to push an athlete on a day where we're not supposed to be at that high level. Again, it, you know, it kind of leaves some energy in the tank for game day as well as accumulating that rest over the course of a full season. So again, it, it just sets bounds for what we should and should not do when we're out on the field.
1: There could be instances, as I mentioned, about injury reduction. What are some of the things that you can look for to make sure you're not putting an athlete in harm's way where maybe you could prevent an an athlete from going into a spot and an injury before it even happens?
3: Yeah, so I think it's important to know, um, based off of the data, like what specific athletes are capable of and what they have been exposed to, basically. So I know athlete A, a typical training day for them is going to look different from athlete B. Um, so it does have to be pretty individualized because maybe athlete A can handle a lot more in training than athlete B can because they train at that level every day. Um, so I would say first point is knowing kind of the athletes on an individual basis and what, what their day should look like compared to, um, other athletes. Um, and then kind of just going off of what Jared said, it's having a plan. All right. That, um, we're, we're on the same page emphasize with how much yeah. a plan matters, <laughs> yes. have a plan for the week. Um, all of us are going to go about that differently um, depending on sport coaches we work with, whatever it is, um, having a plan and making sure your athletes are sticking to that plan. Um, I mean, we all do lead ins to games a little bit differently. We do match day plus one a little bit differently, um, but it really helps again, making it more objective rather than subjective based on how we feel emotionally about the week or where we're at as a team um, and really sets kind of those clear standards of this is what we should be doing on match day minus one, minus two, minus three, whatever it is.
0: From like, you know, a reduction in incidence of injury or return to play standpoint, I mean, I think research is very clear and no more than about a 10% increase week over week in, in load, whatever that might be. And so again, it just gives us a way to know we're making those incremental steps and not pushing an athlete with too much too soon.
1: Jess, and I thought this might be a
0: good way to wrap it
1: up too. Adam mentioned that you want to specialize everything for each athlete if possible. And I think we've always known that, but it's so hard to do when you're working with such a large group. Some of it as well is going to be trial by error. Not every plan right from the get-go because of the data is going to be perfect. And sometimes you need to use your gut. You need to use your instinct. You need to have a feel. So how important is it to balance all of those things when coming up with the plan that is the ultimate objective?
2: I think I think it's huge. I think data is great, and a lot of coaches, sport coaches, love the data, and they want us to lean on the data as much as possible. But I do think there is an immense amount of value in being a seasoned coach, using your eye, watching Um, the athletes that, you know, really well watching how much they're, they're exerting themselves. There are days that our catapult numbers are pretty low, but for whatever reason, and and we don't know if it's based off of recovery or fueling or anything like that, for whatever reason, our athletes are coming in and they're saying that that RPE, you know, for the day was an eight or a nine. Right. And looking at it, I'd be like, oh, we had an easy training day looking at the numbers. But I think I think it's just another piece of the puzzle. Right. You have to know that there's nuance to everything. You have to understand that watching your athletes can be incredibly valuable. Talking to your athletes can be incredibly valuable. And just using this as a piece of the puzzle rather than using it as a direct answer um, to the problem.
1: Especially working with college athletes, they have stressors, relationships, classes. There's a whole lot going on in an 18 to 23 year old's life. That all factors into this as well.
0: Yeah, we I mean, I had a baseball athlete come in for a lift one morning and he had just come from the library from all night studying. So it tells you that the numbers aren't going to tell you everything about their life, you know? And end of the day, we all, I think, are very happy to have, you know, catapult technology here, but. Uh, The metrics that we get are all measures of external load. It tells us absolutely nothing about how it's affecting the internal of the athlete. So you got to put together the art and the science of coaching to help make the best athlete possible.
1: And I think that's what makes each of you three excellent at what you do. You also have great relationships with your coaches and your athletes. And that allows you to have that feel piece that, that sometimes can get lost in that as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think, For me, it's it's very important to keep the perspective of um, how experienced the coaches are uh, working with here. Um, Like at the end of the day, those soccer coaches have been coaching soccer, some of them longer than I've even been alive. Um, So (laughs) like- Same goes to field yeah. 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 (laughs) It kind of like, kind of starts with them and they know what they're doing for sure. And if I can use the data that we collect to make small tweaks or to help kind of confirm what they already had planned or, or what they're thinking- um, that definitely goes a long way to, to building a relationship and, and really working together as one, one unit um, for the athletes.
1: Well, Catapult is one of just many great resources that you have at your fingertips and the athletes have here at Penn State. And speaking of great resources, you three are great resources for our student athletes as well. Thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks.
1: Thank you. What a tremendous trio there of Jared, Adam, and Jess talking about load monitoring and their careers and everything that they work with for their athletes to make sure they have success when they take the field. So thanks so much for tuning in. Again, this is just episode two in our four-part series. You can go back, listen to the other episodes, and look forward to getting into topic number three, in-season versus off-season training with a veteran cast of athletic performance coaches. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.